Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? No, we're not. It's so cold outside right now. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to yourselves. I can't handle this. Uh, my name is Matt Moberg. It's uh, a pleasure to be with you. I usually am uh, kept on Sunday nights at the table where I lead. Uh, if you ever want to swing through, we would love to have you there. Uh, but I'm here today, and I'm excited to be here. This morning we are talking about uh, life and peace and finding peace amidst the storms. Uh, when things get chaotic, when things get scary, and we're just kind of left wondering, God, do you even care? Do you care what I'm going through? Do you care that it's negative 125 degrees outside and I can't feel my face anymore? God, do you care? It's one of those questions that lingers in the darkest of moments. And so we're going to step into that moment and ask God that question this morning. Our text for today is found in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. As you turn to there right now, you will find pew Bibles in your pews. Uh, The Gospel of Mark is written by John Mark. It is the perspective of the Apostle Peter. John Mark, he wrote it while either Peter was preaching or in direct conversation. We do not know. We were not there. But if you were to ask Peter, what can you tell us about Jesus? His answer would be the Gospel of Mark. So Mark 4, 35-41, it reads like this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, and he was uh, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Will you close your eyes and pray with me? Father God, we give you this morning. We give you this time, Father, and we ask that you would speak uh, the words that you want to speak. God, and then you give us ears to hear how your spirit is moving in our presence. Jesus, we love you. We are here this morning for you. In your name, all God's children said. Amen. Amen. Uh, We are talking again about fear this morning. As we just witnessed in that story, the disciples were in a scary place. Uh, Let me just clear up a common misconception. After 28, 29 years of life, now I'm 29 years old, uh, I finally have been able to grow a beard. It's a healthy beard. I'm pretty proud of what's on my face right now. Um, but one of the misconceptions is that, Matt, with so much masculinity, you're probably not afraid of anything. That's just not true. I have fears. I get gripped by, yes, even those of us with this can get afraid time to time. One of the fears that is uh, uh, reoccurring for me that happens the most often is, is I have terrifying nightmares. Very visual person when I fall asleep. I get gripped by fear quite often because it's hard to uh, tell stories about dreams. It's usually too abstract. Let's just try to enter into my dream real quick. Can I get some dream music real quick, Kenny? Thank you. That helps, right? We can go to this place now. 
I have this dream where ever since uh, uh, I, I became a father two years ago, and this is crazy, is that I have met other fathers who have had the exact same experience as me. Um, but I've had this dream where I will be asleep next to my queen, fast asleep, smiling, not a care in the world. I just want to get some rest. I mean, John Crosby's been working me like a dog here. I just, just want to escape and get some good sleep. And I'll wake up in my dream, not actually waking up, but in my dream, I will see my little boy Wyatt. And he'll be, he'll be climbing on like a windowsill across the room. And I'll look at him, and he's got those big eyes. And he's just looking at me, Dad, are you going to do something? Right on the ledge, climbing. Or I'll see Wyatt laying between Lauren and I, and I'll, I'll do the fatherly thing and kind of just brush his hair out of his eyes. And all of a sudden, he'll start sinking in the blankets. And I can't get to him in time. I'm ripping off the blankets and he's nowhere to be found. Now, this one's the most absurd, but this is honestly probably the most common of all these dreams is is I will see Wyatt just planking on top of our bedroom door, (laughs) which I get. It's absurd. It shouldn't register as real, but I am terrified and it feels very real. And so what happens then is I will jump out of bed in in a hot mess I'll throw off all the blankets and I'll rush to the windowsill, I'll rush to the door, or I'll start digging in between Lauren and I, and I'm like, I'm screaming, I'm like sweating, I'm just real bothered in this moment, and then I can't find him. He's nowhere to be found whatsoever. And then as if things were not bad enough, uh, I turn to my wife, my beautiful wife who I love very much, and she's fast asleep with like a smile on her face, couldn't be more at peace. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Lauren, don't you care? Our son is laying on top of our bedroom door, and you don't seem to care. You don't seem bothered at all. In fact, I've never seen you so happy. Just comfortably asleep. And eventually she will wake up, and she'll come over, and she'll kind of talk me out. of This has literally happened last week. This is reoccurring. Just say, honey, honey. Come back to bed. It's okay. It's just a dream. And then even though I'm fully aware that I'm awake, I kind of, I fake like the, I'm, I'm out of it. Well, what's going on? I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm saying right now. I bring that up because this story is, is very much like that story. The disciples are in the midst of this, this hot mess. They're terrified. Death is close. The waves are crashing on board. Their boat is about to sink. And Jesus is fast asleep. He's fast asleep. The disciples go, teacher, I, don't you care? Doesn't it bother you on any level that we are about to die? How could you sleep in a moment like this? How offensive is that? There's not a lonelier question, a more isolated and angsty question than when your world is crashing down and you just want to know, does anybody else care? I'm feeling all this pain, all these wounds. I'm scared out of my mind. And I don't know if anybody else cares. And God, if you do care, God, if you are real, uh, it feels like you are asleep. That's a dark place to be. Let's go back to the text because I think it has a lot to teach us about what peace inside the storm looks like. Mark 4, 35. You there? That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along 
just as he was in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Uh, Again, I'm only 29. uh, But one thing that I have learned is that so much of life is about getting from point A to point B, getting to the other side. Uh, Maybe it's a hardship in your life that you are experiencing right now where you cannot wait just to get to the other side. I cannot wait to get to the other side of this disease that is wreaking havoc on my body. I cannot wait to get to the other side of the turmoil that's inside my marriage or inside my friendships. I can't wait to get to the other side of, of hearing about the abundant life of Jesus Christ and then actually getting to experience it. I can't wait to get to the other side. Jesus is inviting his disciples in this moment to come with him So they can get to the other side. And you will notice here that there is a crowd that is present. It says leaving the crowd behind. This doesn't seem like the opportunity time to leave. I mean it sounds like they have a good thing going here on this side. Why go to the other side? What, What business do they possibly have? What is Jesus thinking to leave a group of people who are leaning in, interested in what he is teaching. Curious about what he has to say. But he says, let's go to the other side. It's very easy uh, uh, to forfeit our callings when a crowd comes along. It's very easy to forget that Jesus has called us to much more than a crowd, but he's put us on mission. And when he says to go to the other side, it doesn't always make sense. But that invitation is to step inside the boat and to trust him. And to trust him that even though despite our circumstances and our emotions in these moments that might say, this is ideal, that Jesus actually does know best. And so he says, let us get into the boat and let's go over there. Let's walk that way. The disciples, they get in the boat. What happens then? The text goes on to read, there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern and he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Do you feel the weight of that angst, that teacher, don't you care? Death is close. Sea of Galilee is 680 feet below uh, the sea level. And what happens is that the winds, because of the surroundings, will come in there and they'll hit the center of the lake. And uh, the storms just kick up out of nowhere. It can be calm one moment when they're getting into the boat, and then all of a sudden things get crazy. And that's what's happening here. It happens still today on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples, they can feel the death is close, and they trusted Jesus when he said, we're going to the other side. Jesus, we thought that you meant that, and so we followed you into the boat, and they got into the boat, and now death is close. And they're terrified, and they're wondering, Jesus, do you care? When I was listening to Debbie uh, read those prayers earlier, the prayers that are springing up in this room, I I have to imagine that there are some of us who are wondering that this morning, who are feeling the weight of life, who are feeling darkness, hardships. Jesus, do you care? God, are you going to wake up soon? Uh, this question has been on my mind, actually, for the past few weeks, that God, do you care? A couple of weeks ago, a group of us from the table, uh, we went to Israel and Palestine uh, for the purpose of trying to learn what it looks like to be peacemakers in a violent world, what it looks like to be those who are, are trying to calm the storms uh, globally, but also here in our own neighborhoods. 
What does that look like for us? And when we were over there, we were meeting with people on all sides of the conflict, hearing stories from Palestinians, hearing stories from Israelis, coming face to face with a lot of the wounds that have been cut open in this, in this turmoil place. And one of the places we went to were the Balada refugee camp in the West Bank. And we met with this man named Mahmoud. Mahmoud is a peacemaker. He's been making peace there and striving to build a community of peace for the past 25 years. And he's tired. He's fatigued. He's come to a place where uh, Balada is, is made up of 30,000 people all living within a quarter of a square kilometer. Stacked on top of each other. One doctor for 30,000 people, and people are angry, and people are hurt, and people are out of resources. And he's, he's at this place where he's asking, God, do you, do you care? He is seeing and he is hearing about suicide bombers that are coming out of his neighborhood to, to act aggressively, outbursts. And he's wondering, God, do you care? He says, I, I'm working for peace, and I'm trying to do kingdom work. God, do you care? He talked about his own seven-year-old child as he was walking us through the streets of Balada. And his own seven-year-old child came to him the other day expressing a desire to bring violence into the world and strike back against the enemy. And he said, do you know what it's like to stand before your own seven-year-old son and feel completely incompetent? God, do you care? A few days after that, uh, same group, we went up to the Mount of Beatitudes. And after a holy time where we uh, uh, read scripture together and we prayed together, and we read the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus stood there and he, he preached, we spread the ashes of one of our friends, Chase Johnson, uh, who at 28 years old passed away from colon cancer in our community. You can't spread the ashes of a 28-year-old without asking the question simultaneously, God, do you care? God, are you going to wake up? When you're over there and you're looking at these for two weeks straight when we're sitting in these different painful places and we're seeing these wounds cut open and expressed and we're feeling the angst of the land, we're feeling the angst inside of us, it's easy to believe that the storm wins and that our Savior is asleep, but I just don't think that's true. Because while we might live in that feeling... And those emotions feel like there are waves crashing on top of us. The scriptures are written in much the same tone. Much of the Psalms, they say, uh, uh, even though the wicked are winning, God, we believe that you are good. God, we believe that you are faithful. God, we believe that you are here. And it doesn't always feel like it makes sense. On the plane ride home, uh, I, I sat next to this man who was telling me about, uh, uh, he was talking about Elie Wiesel's book, Night, and his Holocaust experience. And so because you have 14 hours to spare, I sat there and I read it from front to back. And one of the quotes that jumped out at me uh, was his, his account in one of the concentration camps when he was seeing a little boy being killed. And he reads this, writes this, Behind me, I heard the same man asking, For God's sake, where is God? And then from within me, I heard a voice answer. Where he is, this is where. Hanging here from the gallows. You see, this is the story of uh, uh, Jesus Christ. It is the word becoming flesh. 
It is the word who became flesh, not to bring us solutions and massive overhauls to all the darkness that we see. ISIS over there, it's not how the kingdom works. It's not about bringing quick fix reactive solutions. It's about bringing solidarity. And the word became flesh and God is with us in the midst of our pains. He steps into the gallows. He steps into the hurting. He's, Matthew 25, 40. I'm with the least of these. Faith in Christ is believing that Christ is with us and that we trust him. That even in the storms, our Savior is present. Even when things get hard, God will wake up and make things right. Because Christian faith believes in the long game. And we believe that the reality of God and the goodness of God is not dictated by whether or not there's a storm coming. We believe that the kingdom is unfolding at all times. Will we see it? Do we trust that God is good? One of the most important lines in this text, I think, is that first line uh, where it says, there were also other boats with him. Why is that so important? Because it reminds us that whether Jesus is in your boat or not, uh, storms are going to come. They're inevitable. While I might wish that God would bubble wrap his people and that we would, uh, we would not face any problems whatsoever, we'd never get hurt Life would be made of a blissful peace. It's just not the reality. Whether Jesus is in your boat or not, storms are going to come. But here's the other side to that. Is that we need to remember that the only reason we're in this boat wasn't our doing. It was Jesus' idea that we get in the boat. It was Jesus who said, let's go to the other side. And what Jesus starts, Jesus is going to finish. That's a biblical promise. Whether in this life or the next, we are going to be formed into people worthy of the king. Philippians 1.6 tells us just that. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The question is, will we allow that completion to happen? But we stay with Jesus, trusting that Christ is in our corner and allow him to finish that which he began when he invited us into the boat in the first place. The text goes on. tells about Jesus waking up. He got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's an interesting thing to say. Uh, there's a part of me when I read that text where I get a little bothered by Jesus, if I can say so in church. It almost feels condescending. Like, I apologize, Jesus, that not all of us have the ability to dictate the weather. We don't all have that kind of power. Allow me to cringe a little bit while the storm is raging and threatening to take my life. This is a scary moment. Can I please be afraid? Can I be human and experience this? But because we know Jesus, we know that he's not the condescending type. uh, What is he really saying here? He's not asking you to belittle the storm, to belittle the pain that you are going through. He's not asking you to giggle anyways and pretend like all is well. He's saying, where is your faith in me? Where is your trust? You see, when we get afraid, fear can paralyze faith real quickly. And instead of the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, Teacher, will you please come and help us right now? 
They're not just asking for his help. They assume the very worst. And it becomes a fear-induced accusation. They say, teacher, you don't, don't you care? Teacher, you, don't you care? In other words, teacher, Jesus, you're not who you said you were. God, you said that we could trust you. And yet you're asleep right now. And everything's hitting the fan. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus asks them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith that I'm for you? That I'm in your corner? That I love you? That when I said I want to get us to the other side, I meant it. Did you lose your trust in me? Matthew and Luke, they they talk about this story as well. Uh, And it's interesting because they all recall the details slightly different in this part right here. For Peter, in in the Gospel of Mark, he remembers it as, uh, uh, do you still have no faith? For Matthew, he remembers it as, uh, do you still only have a little faith? And then for Luke, it says, you've completely lost your faith. How are you approaching Jesus in the midst of storms, in the midst of sunny days in your life today? Which one of these gospels sounds most like your voice? No faith, a little faith, or faith gone missing? The grace of God, the beautiful story in this story, is that uh, no matter how we are approaching Jesus, before Jesus turns to his disciples, he stands up and he calms the storm. Whether we are worthy of it or not, friends, let me tell you, we're not. God still chooses to love, still chooses to lean in and calm the storms in our life. Because what he begins in us, he will bring to a finish. Your calling will be completed. Formation will happen. Because God is with you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he does so today. Faith in Christ, it plays the long game. We know that we are not alone. And I know that doesn't make it easy. And I know that in, in all of our different levels of pain and experiences of grief that we are going through or have gone through or the grief that we will go through, it's not always easy just knowing that God is not going to calm every storm on the spot. But we believe and we trust that Jesus is in our corner. And we believe that he is with us in our pain with us in our good times. And so to close, I want to read the words of Isaiah because they are a gift to us and they are a promise from God to us that what he starts in us, he will carry us to completion because he walks with us. It reads like this. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. You're still going to have to go through the waters, but God will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. And since you are precious and honored in my sight... And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Friends, do not be afraid, 
for God is with you. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, we know that life is hard. Uh, God, we know that life can feel dark and scary at times. God, we are reminded of you in the garden the night before the cross when everybody else fell asleep and you had to be left wondering, does anybody else care? But you were on a mission, God. And you went silently before your accusers and you went to the cross. Three days later, Lord, you conquered, defeated death. Lord, remind us that the kingdom is not about bliss It's about you. Give us the courage to step into the boat and believe, Lord, that you are in our corner. And believe that what you start, you will finish and you will get us to the other side. Jesus, you are good. All God's children said, amen.
together. Friends, as we uh, uh, go out back into that cold, I'm sorry, you do have to go back into the cold. First, grab coffee on the way. That would be my first tip. But then as that question lingers for you, God, do you care? Uh, remember the cross. That's a definitive answer that yes, yes, I do. I'm with you. Go in peace. Have a good day.